And boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the dynamite, dynamite, dynamite. Boom. You know it's all about the boom. Goes the dynamite, dynamite. Na 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 na. Welcome to Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Instant Recap Podcast right here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I am not Jeff Wessel. That's right. I'm your co-host, Paul Sebastian. With me is Jeff, but I'm introducing the podcast for a little bit different reason. Jeff, hello. Hey, Paul. How are you, man? I am great. Jeff has a little announcement to make. Uh, So we're going to start the show off with that. Jeff, what do you got to tell us? little bit of house cleaning here. Uh, long story short, I have a lot going on and I'm kind of hitting the wall. <laughs> so I decided a- after some soul searching and, and contemplation that for once, fortunately, this show and also my blog are going to have to be the things that, that get set aside this time. Setting so. them aside. That's right. Jeff taking a little bit of a hiatus. Jeff is going to be gone for a few weeks, maybe six weeks or so. That's, you know, up in the air, maybe more, whatever. You know, be yeah. patient with us. Be patient. Fear not, dear listener. We have enlisted some help. Surprise to everyone's shock. Oh, my God. Is that Chris Damasato's music? <laughs> dragged me back into this again on a somewhat more permanent role at that rather than just me just when up. you thought you were out i'm back boom in. goes the dynamite is with you forever that's right chris is gonna step in and host the podcast with me while jeff is gone so for the next six weeks or so you got chris and i blessing your airwaves we're gonna try some different stuff with jeff being gone uh, yours truly i'm gonna take over the post-production and some of the other stuff that we do on the podcast here things might sound a little bit different i would love to hear your feedback listeners going forward as we try to you know work some different things out have a little fun as we shake up the format a little bit here this summer so make sure to uh, let us know how we feel there at bgtd podcast on twitter god knows i've never posted from it so (laughs) no jeff has never once posted from it and you can follow chris at brazilian fury that is with an that's the proper way to spell it. Jeff, you're not going to hang out with us tonight for the show. Is that right? Yeah, I, I have things I, I got to do. I, I mentioned last week I have a crowd coming up and unfortunately it is taking up a lot of my time. So All right, Jeff. I, so I, before I you get out of here, buddy, uh, drop those plugs real quick formally and uh, say a little something for the listener and then head on up, bud. Okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter at GD Wessel 2 S is 1 L. The blog is on hiatus. If you want to go back and read the archives, strongstylestory.tumblr.com. My crowdfunder is launching on the 31st of May for a comic book called Kaiju Sunset. The link to go to that is zoop, Z-O-O-P dot G-G slash C slash Kaiju Sunset. Spelled how it sounds. Jeff, if you give me that link, I'll make sure we put it in the description for the podcast as well. Sounds good. And Chris, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time here, stepping in in my absence. but. 
Yeah, I, 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 it took se- nearly seven years, but I finally hit the wall. <laughs> Walls know. get hit. It super happens. The, the podcast isn't going anywhere. The listeners aren't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to see you at Forbidden Door, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Yeah, we're we're all going to be at Forbidden Door. We're all going to be at Forbidden Door, and I'm yeah. sure we'll we'll probably Can record we? something in Chicago when when that happens. So stay tuned. Oh for yeah, that. Uh, Jeff, well, undoubtedly. So we will. Uh, you know, you and I will keep in touch, listeners. You'll be hearing from Jeff oh, real oh, soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. We'll, I'll be recording with you uh, in, in a few weeks time. I'll miss you, buddy. Paul, Chris, on listeners, I'm not too far away, and uh, I'll be back sometime this summer. So yep. we'll see you, see soon, you soon, Jeff. Yep. Take care. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. Of course. See ya. All right. So from oh, here on out. Oh God! Out, Thank God we oh, got. I thought shit. he was never going to leave. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew this was coming at some point or another. But hey, <laughs> I'm just turning Eli Jeff good. as soon as he hangs up the call. <laughs> but of course. As the as one of the two originals who set up this particular podcast, I will be handling a lot of Jeff's hosting duties, if you will, during the next couple of weeks here. So let's get down to this week's show. AW Dynamite, as you well know by now, emanates from the UBS Arena at Belmont Park in what is called by some the most magical place on earth. I'm, we're hearing it more and more. We're hearing it more and yeah. more, Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've heard so many people say it. The Bagel Boss is saying it. I heard I heard Glassjaw say it. They're from Long Island, so Glassjaw has said it as well. Who else is from Long Island well, that is? Oh, oh, of, co- of course, there would be the people who Long Island who say it because, as a friend once told me, really the only people that like people from Long Island are people from Long Island. So, no decide. Shout out to friend of this podcast, Harry Mack, Long Island native. <laughs> also friend of this podcast, Kevin, Long Island native. We have a lot of friends from Long Island. That being said, I will fight each and every one of you (laughs) i will fight a standing challenge to fight any of my friends from long island harry trains and probably could kick my ass but he's from long island so hey i gotta do it gotta take i gotta gotta do it chances Uh, we go to begin with for aw dynamite uh we start off hot because we've got one fifth of the undisputed elite in adam cole against one half of the roh and triple a tag team champions that's hardwood that's That's hardwood you said you said hardwood Freudian hardwood. hardwood. We got our first Freudian <laughs> hardwood of the night. I know keep it's, a hard, it's hard. To, it's hard to avoid it. But yeah, we, we probably should have you like should a counter. Just change like, his name. Like at this point, corner. at this point, you Chris, might as like, well. Right? Why not just change your name? Just be Dax Hardwood. Everyone will think it's cool. Cash Wheeler, already one of the coolest names in all of professional wrestling. Wheeler uh, and Hardwood, baby. Wheeler, Wheeler and hardwood. hardwood. Oh, man. It's not the only Hardwood that's going on right now. Just me thinking about it. Oh, we better talk about this match. Woo. Indeed. But yeah, hot opener to begin with. We have Dax the Axe back in singles action for what the third week in a row at this point. It definitely oh, like he's yeah, da- it is about the third he's week. He's had a good he's had a good string of singles matches there. And See, these been... are the these are the things that without Jeff is gonna be tough because he has like that encyclopedic wrestling knowledge and he's like really good at calling back to stuff and he takes meticulous notes and we're so like just the shit posters. So yeah, you and I are just like, gonna forget shit. We're gonna be like, wait, what happened? We're like, see, this is why I'm editing the podcast more because I know there's gonna be like long bouts of silence where both of us are like looking at our phones or computers and be like Wait, what the was the match like, result of the fucking yeah of course but no a lot of like voices that, like trailing up an octave like what the oh, goodness what, the, what happened but no, it, in and of itself good way to start the show altogether. crowd's hot for cole pretty much every time dax has been getting a lot of positive reactions as well so, see that's what i want to the crowd was hotter for dax than they were for adam cole am i wrong to think that no, I don't think so. I think there See, were now I'm doing there, the they were like acts. I think that at moments they wanted acts to kind of take this one. There's definitely were a good amount of dueling chance throughout the course of the match. That uh, that German suplex exchange was like a spot that I kept calling back to. That's like the one that stood out to me as I watched mm-hmm. this match. Like, because I think we're really conditioned to like the power focused German suplex a la Brock Lesnar, right? Like mm-hmm. that's become sort of the gold standard. And I think a lot of people try to copy that, like sort of toss the guy like brute force German suplex. And what they exchanged here was a lot more of that, like pick them up high, hold them longer, like a little more mm-hmm. polished. You like, kind of the you're not seeing of... those as much anymore. So it was like a refreshing sort of spot, I guess. Yeah, that being said, kind of Kurt Angle-esque segment of suplexes. Yeah, there, yeah. The way the Kurt used to do for a while. So can I I pick a little nit here? I got to pick a little bit of nit. Mm -hmm. I found this match to be overly derivative. I like the Bret Hart throwbacks and all the fun stuff. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it was necessarily bad or poorly executed either. However, it was like too much for me. It just slipped out as like, yeah, it was too on the nose. Exactly. And I think that probably has something to do with Adam Cole just being an indicating ass motherfucker uh, in his like Shawn Michaels-y sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little more than like the way Dax Harwood, I think just there's something more subtle about it, even though you know what he's doing. 
I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. There's just something is. When they have both of these guys both doing their Brett and Sean thing, it came across more like Brett and Sean community theater. So at, at Rather times, than it being like their own branding it, of yes. wrestling, which I think it can get to points where... And it's fine to do that, but maybe, maybe this isn't the time and place. Maybe I think if maybe they made it their own just a little bit more, this match could have been that much mm-hmm. more effective. Not saying Which it was a bad match by any means. I thought it was a really good match. Yeah. And I liked like the stuff they did, but also it pains me physically and emotionally to watch Dax Harwood tap out to a sharpshoot. It hurts mm-hmm. me. It hurts me in my soul, Chris. And I mean, I get the intent for it because it got the crowd to very much boo Adam Cole by the end of that match, which, of course, given his current alignments in terms of the good old babyface heel spectrum, you know, it's kind of the reaction that you would want. Uh, I would uh, just credit think to AEW throughout this whole yeah. show for their uh, great crowd manipulation. The sharpshooter ending, I get it, kind of had to make it as painful as possible for Dax to bow out of the tournament, given how commentary was putting forth the fact that, yeah, Dax wanted to go all the way on this and win it just because of like his whole you know admiration for the hearts as a whole whether it's brett or yeah, Owen you know I, I was thinking about it like before the show like is aew like crazy enough to have dax win this whole thing and i think there's an they awesome, had us believing on it there's an they incredible really story did. you could tell if you were to have dax harwood win this entire tournament and it's too bad that you won't be able to see that through i think my irritations with adam cole and the character since his aew run has started have been pretty well documented i don't want to keep rehashing it it's just not all the way there for me i recognize adam cole's talent he's fine i just don't care that much and it's i'm trying to find ways to but i don't and it just is what it is i think and i think a lot of what is for me for cole even though as someone who likes his work and enjoys seeing these sorts of matches i also do feel that he's almost in a holding pattern until a certain someone finally comes back in the next couple of months yeah, but it's like i'd it rather really... have that certain someone do something else too yeah but understandable but it's Definitely. it's the most it's, it's the most effective way to get adam cole to the highest level you're gonna have him in AEW, yeah right like his ceiling is kenny omega's opponent that's mm-hmm. like, that's the highest on the card you're going to have. I mean, I guess at some point he'll probably be an AEW champion, but. Yeah, I think, I think he'll eh. have a reign at some point or another, just because of, I think what he brings is an overall package to not, I think like us as our type of fans, but like for the overall kind of audience that AEW yeah, does culminate I, altogether. I, although I will say, I think the AEW audience at large sort of, I mean, I guess not at large, but I've seen a more vocal section sort of turning on Adam Cole over the last couple of months than I expected. Mm-hmm. And I just it, it, some of it's booking wise and i think some of it is like intentional too i think aew is really good at that and they're mirroring kind of what they did with the young bucks in really making this like like making you beg to have the other guy come back to kick their ass like really making the fan beg yeah. for it and like we really want kenny omega to come back and beat this guy up that's what you want i mean that's just really that's that's old school wrestling booking sort of things right there yeah so but from, uh, there we go to something a little more interesting we talk about what's going to be the main event tonight which is another match in the one hard foundation quarterfinals which it does happen to be Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy have a nice package between the two of them sort of comparing themselves and their styles and how very much similar they are how Darby sort of has taken after Hardy and with Darby going you know what let's just throw the rule book out let's of the wave window the rules one. he says he wants to he wants to wave them which I thought was an interesting choice of words very official make magically disappear like the four from here from here we go back to the ring again where hangman adam page makes his entrance uh turns out we're gonna have the champ on commentary for this one because johnny hungry himself john silver taking on john q hungry john q hungry john q hungry for those bagel bosses man you got to get that bagel boss gotta tell you And, and of course Let's just talk about the fact that last time that CM Punk was here, he did not very much endear himself to this Long Island crowd. So, so this is becoming thought, a hey. long-term thing, which is fun. So initially you think to yourself, hey, he's dressed in like New York Islanders colors. He has a New York Islanders jersey. This looks like he's trying to make up for a little bit of what he did the last time around. Oh no, he turns around. It's a John Tavares jersey. Yeah. He just becomes the biggest heel in this entire town for the next 48 hours. I saw the nines on the sleeves and I knew what was coming. I and I'm like, wait for that turn. And- I uh, uh, just the ugly cackle that left me the moment I saw that it was a Tavares jersey and I'm just like oh boy <laughs> I I guess we should give some insight for those who might not follow regular sports all that much a TLDR version of this John Tavares was a beloved New York Islanders player who was drafted by the team many a years ago but the first chance in which Tavares uh, became a free agent he left town 
He packed his bags. He went up to Toronto, where he's currently playing at right now in the playoffs at that, while the Islanders are sitting at home, you know, mm. being losers and stuff, oh, which it's wow. just like, again, just nothing like Long Island to just pick something to just, you know, make yeah, it. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, as a, as a fan of the Detroit Red Wings, the greatest sports franchise, not only in the history of oh, hockey, but all of professional sakes. sports, I really don't care about the petty little scruples of uh, the Maple Leafs or the Islanders or any of you little people over there. We'll be, you know, brushing off our 14 Stanley Cups, you know, lamenting on our 25-year dynasty and how Steve Eiserman is going to bring us back to the promised land real, real, real soon. This is a hockey podcast now. But hey, speaking of seeing things through, CM Punk decided to see oh. this by being the shitster that we know he can be. And he very much played that role against John Silver. I think John Silver benefited from it. The crowd got into his comeback more and more with the way that Punk was handling himself throughout the course of the match. His series of crazy kicks into that uh, sheer drop brain buster that got the near fall during the match was a fantastic little bit the finishing sequence which happened to be a stolen buckshot lariat to john silver which got first of all first three. of all chris no 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 no. that was not a buckshot lariat that was a birdshot lariat that bird was a, that was 20 gauge <laughs> at best that was that was an airsoft lariat all right look we love cm punk but uh he definitely didn't lay that lariat in with the sort of oomph that hangman page mm-hmm. is known for it's- <laughs> AJ it, Gray was at home laughing real hard about that. True. Uh, and along with that, too, it adds another series of moves that Punk has stolen from somebody else and not done it as uh, effective. Uh, you know, go to take a nap uh, instead of go to sleep. <laughs> Certain mm, somebody was tweeting about this today, too. And uh, that is weird that he then, would steal moves from Sammy Guevara like that. I think that's kind of fucked up that he would do that. I agree. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the aftermath of this does see Paige kind of getting himself into the ring, getting in the CM Punk's fence face right off the bat. Punk getting into a microphone and kind of stirring the pot a little bit further at this point. Yeah, so this is uh, something I was talking about with some friends too. Like, um, I, I like what Punk is doing here. And I think what a lot of people's like first sort of like thought and where their minds went, like with last week's promo and sort of hangman page's attitude here some sort of heel tease or something like that i don't necessarily see it that way chris what i see is cm punk making hangman page bring himself to a place that he doesn't really expect to be or didn't plan on being in an attempt to sort of throw him off his game right like yeah page is handling it just fine but you saw this he didn't grab a mic or he didn't you know uh say anything back he didn't you know get the crowd up he just put a middle finger in punk's face and got out of there angrily right Mm -hmm. and you know hangman page isn't the angry guy right he's the anxious millennial cowboy he's the guy who is honest with himself and, and is comfortable in the in those things but now you kind of see him just just mad like he's just pissed off and i think that's where punk wants him right mm-hmm. it's the why it's a wily veteran taking advantage of a younger champion's uh temperament yeah i think it's really interesting and, and it's, does have. it's not like they're not making it like a really prominent part of this they're kind of just letting it kind of mm-hmm. be right below the surface so you can kind of see how it affects eventually when the match happens no and i like it as well too there's definitely a lot that you can play with especially when the match does happen a double or nothing in how you kind of play those specific aspects of what's been built during the course of the past couple of weeks and then how these two behave during the course of the match itself i also so, uh first yeah, time i noticed that fun. uh hangman's hangman's belt not his championship belt but like his jeans belt is a custom belt that says that has hangman engraved yeah onto the back mm-hmm. of the belt it's very cool and just yeah and it's I not because i was looking at hangman's ass it's just i thought the belt was cool. so you can't say that i was looking at hangman's ass you you, you don't know you can't prove it so you cannot prove it in a court of law or anywhere else for the or anywhere else for the matter <laughs> or the public opinion or anywhere just it's a nice belt you know indeed but from here on out we go uh backstage to good old tony shivani with dr burt baker the emd MD. damn it we almost had it we'll we'll figure this one out if we get it before weeks, me and fine. jeff get it he's gonna be so pissed this is fine this is all fine uh, you know but what no chris i want us to get it before me and jeff get it just just to fuck with jeff for sure. this is becoming Boy. the fuck with jeff for six weeks podcast <laughs> Jen, that's gonna be good but yeah, <laughs> it is doc it is dr baker it is jamie hater it is a rebel we're backstage and they're talking about owen hart foundation tournament stuff jamie hater's got a big match coming up tonight Britt baker has a big match coming up next week against the joker the joker the joker the joker baby indeed and they're talking about how they're going to dominate this tournament tony shivani does uh smartly point out that if hater and brit do advance to the tournament they're going to be facing each other in the semifinals and they sort of awkwardly shuffle around that but from there we're back to the ring where tony nice and uh smart mark sterling have already made their respective entrances and oh would you look at that 
It's Danhausen. Danhausen, and he's got his new music. Uh, I was really excited to hear this because Mikey Ruckus had teased that he used the theremin for it. There, it was in there, and it was really good. It was like it was like spooky surfer music. It's very on brand. Yeah, it's very on brand for him. I, I like yeah, that. it was a little more upbeat than I expected it to be. I thought he was going to mm-hmm. lean more into like the metal horror kind of stuff, um, or went into like like full on schlock, which I think is even better. I thought it was more like a more fun sort of tone. And I guess for like a, we're, you know, doing like a full baby face, goofy, have fun Danhausen. Yeah, it fits. So shout out Ruckus for uh, making another hit. Indeed. You get the entrance, you get the mannerisms. Danhausen's there. You know who didn't get an entrance? Tony Nese. Tony Nese, straight up jobber entrance already in the ring. Indeed. But of course, the bell rings, and we kind of got hit with a little bit of a surprise here, Paul. I've got to admit, like outright. Chris, Chris, what the <laughs> fuck happened? Oh, wait, the matches are. Wait, oh, wait, we got to do a Jeff what? thing. And this match starts with, and it's already over. <laughs> it's done. It's yeah. Uh, uh, Smart Mark distracts uh, Danhausen for a hot second before Danhausen goes to do the cursey curse. And then mm-hmm. uh, Knee swoops in, hits him in the head, runs across the ring, does like the coast to coast, like run across boot. Yeah, what coast to coast that? running knee. Yep. Like a running knee uh, uh, into the turnbuckle. And there's a quick one, two, three. This match is about all of 12 seconds. Danhausen gets annihilated. There's a little beat down. There's and- Mark Sterling on the microphone talking about you know who got an interest and who didn't this guy kind call of back to the jobber just, entrance and uh, then play and then playing on the meme wrestlers thing too which i thought if this is the angle that they're going to go with tony nice with tony nice just having like an outright hatred boner for meme wrestlers and trying to beat him up at every given turn that's the most kind of a gimmick that they've given him since well, 205 live at this point it's yeah. honestly pretty interesting I, like I saw one really flash of what we could have with like a good tony nice in aew and that was surprisingly his, his little feud with sammy guevara on rampage yeah both Sammy and Nice looked really good going into that and coming out of it. A little tougher time for Sammy since then. Yeah, Tony yeah. Nice, uh, very salvageable here. And I think, yeah, the as the sort of antithesis to AEW's faves, like guys like Danhausen and Hook, that is super interesting. Speaking of Hook, Hook comes out to make the save on Danhausen. We get the chairman's intent plays twice tonight Crowd so that was nice accordingly just fantastic stuff yeah oh yeah new york loves hook obviously nice and mark sterling fuck off promptly hook and danhausen share a nice firm handshake real signs of an early friendship mega powers hook housing is upon us mm, we got the hook housing chance everyone was real excited and uh it looks like uh a spoiler for later on they did announce that we're going to get hook housing on rampage so uh very excited for friday we come back to wardlow being escorted to the ring by security as we've usually seen over the last couple weeks but the Huffed funniest wardlow, part of it no music wardlow one of my favorite wardlows i love it so chris i love it so much it's great it's so fucking it's hard the, dude <laughs> it's literally the thing that just like hey let's experiment with this and then realizing shit we've like got... how can we make this guy look like a fucking badass and it works it, yeah and the this best is, part of it the last is, time well, they did this, this really of... effectively was uh tomaso champa used to come out to no music when he right. was right yes a few years ago I, do you remember yeah, this i remember it yeah and it was just it as cool <laughs> it was just it, it was cool. ju- it was just like wow what a shit bag I love it. And he did that as a heel. This is amazing that he, that Wardlow is doing this uh, as a baby face. It's a way different dynamic and it's still just mm. so effective. Wardlow, one of the best like ass kicking baby faces in a long time. Very, very long time. Definitely. Although the part that I love the most, because we are again in the most magical place on earth, Long Island, Long New, Island New York. We're walking uh, we had, here. We, we had the nice little Boo Wardlow thing on the jump on the Titan Trons this time around, which was just fucking hilarious. And just, just, and it's and only just the, the sign of things of that come from. Yeah, from that, you get this incredible dark side of the ring parody featuring Taz, featuring Jake the Snake, featuring Chris Jericho parodying his own work as dark side of the ring narrator. The very the self-aware best, Chris Jericho once more. The most hilarious part of it is when he realizes, wait, this is for MJF. I'm not narrating this. Fuck that guy. Yeah. He's <laughs> a dipshit. He's a dipshit. Like after everything we've been through, wait, he paid us how much? All right. Fine. And then we get right back to it. So very, very good stuff there. Uh, yeah. Though this was on brand. It was well produced. Yeah. And of uh, course, Barry Horowitz. Let's not forget Barry Horowitz. And the legendary yeah. Jewish wrestler, Barry Horowitz. Uh, yeah. Gets his time in there. I'm sure he got himself a little paycheck. Great job, Barry. Barry wrestled Joey Janela for like almost an hour, like a month or two ago. 
like a half hour match or something. I did hear about that. Yes. It was like all over a gym. It was wild. It was just an absolute fever dream of a match. I recommend finding that one. I think it's online. MJF at one point refers to himself as the mensch of the sench in, in this promo. <laughs> Spectacular. A1, okay. no notes. I think I think it's time we have this conversation, Paul, because you were right. Like coming back to this, a conversation that we were going to have at some point or another. Here's what I will oh. kind of... Reamend <laughs> accordingly too. For me specifically, when it comes to Maxwell Jacob Friedman, like if stuff happens in 2024, he goes elsewhere to WWE. You know, best of luck in his travels. I'm sure he will make somebody a lot of money regardless of where he is. And really, his whole this whole feud with Wardlow is the thing that we were waiting on for the longest time. After so many years of just slow chemical build to it all, and he has been nailing it on this particular role. He has been the guy that you want to see getting his ass whooped. He has I played think, that role to perfection. I think you are just late to the party, but I'm really glad you're here, Chris, because yeah, I think that at this point and whether or not like some of his previous stuff was for you or not, I think maybe there was a little less wide appeal to some of his work specifically. And I guess I can understand that. But if at this point, if you don't see it with MJF, you are just not looking. And if you don't yeah, hear it with MJF, you're just not listening. I mean, at, at, he has become truly undeniable. And it's one of the circumstances where I do still think that, you know, your mileage may vary just depending on what you look for from like a personal perspective. But it's Fair. more of a situation of it's more of a situation of he's playing the role that he's been assigned to play and playing it to perfection at this but point. If you like, so you take it for what it is. And obviously Long Island is going to be an outlier versus other crowds. Of course. But yeah. the way that MJF had the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand and not in a way that you see like let's like in New York where you have all the crowds sort of doing the motions right so it's almost like Catholic Church where like everyone knows their catchphrases and when they're supposed yeah. to say the thing and when they're supposed to do the thing and clap and this and that MJF like like to, like these catchphrases and the things he were saying like weren't long running catchphrases of his they were things he came up with either right there or just recently you know he was calling and responding to the crowd in a way that was almost riffing and yeah. it was so organic in a way that you just I mean almost never truly see pro wrestling anymore this barely even exists like for real for real and, and the way he can kind of dictate that crowd and move them and manipulate them is just uh it's rare it's really rare chris it, it was a fun bit and of course it's a contract signing segment in which we've lay over the ground rules that you know wardlow can get his match at double or nothing if he follows these certain conditions the first 10 simple be rules for wrestling my teenage wardlow indeed uh one of them it's gonna include whippings again for those who are trying to point out whether this man has a whipping fetish, mind your business. Uh, first and I, foremost. I think it's pretty, I mean, I, it's, I guess it's up for discussion, but MJF might be one of the horniest wrestlers in the world. I mean, if you really look at his work, his actual body of work, it's all very, very horny. It's, it's, it's horny on the main type horny too. Oh, it's, on, I thing. mean, it's on the main. I mean, it's on the main, horny on the main event. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure but i mean uh, and here's the thing another thing that i gotta give props it's to fair have you for. seen wardlow i mean yeah of course look yeah at yeah fair, <laughs> fair but not only that but delaying not doing the not one not two thing but then delay doing the 10 whippings thing and giving sean spears the all spot the way to, to sean do it, spears just, spectacular fantastic and the whole crowd on that one too throughout the course of the night we're talking about how it for mjf it's a david versus goliath story we know whose roles are accordingly there but through the conditions obviously 10 lashings and if Warlow gets through that he's gonna go one-on-one -on -one with sean spears inside of a steel cage which gets a laugh from Wardlow, but gets an even better clip from uh mjf going i don't know what you're laughing about dipshit you're oh and two in cages which was it's, just uh, all right it is fair valid, it is true. valid one more stipulation with the cage match mjf will be refereeing it should it happen and obviously i mean Chekhov's cage mm, it's happening of course uh, yeah. and then should that happen then he'll get the mjf match if Wardlow is to lose the mjf match he can never sign with AEW ever. So those are basically our, those are the our contract pitch until 2024 from the I guess so. Or beyond yeah, yeah. those. Uh, that was, and, and you kind of called that back, MJF sort of using these the contract rumors to his advantage in these promos. Mm -hmm continues to be really good work. I don't expect him to go anywhere. And, and here's why he is the one guy in AEW that I actually think Tony Khan looks at as a golden goose. I think no matter how much money New York were to offer MJF, Tony Khan would match and or beat it. 
period. I don't, I yeah. don't think he's, I don't think there's any amount of money that, can see that, that Tony Khan will say is too much for that one guy. I don't think there's anybody else on the roster. I think just him. Yeah, I could see that definitely. And I, I think mean, MJF's going to get money, their first, their first like, the whole, like, spent, like so. the, the first, the first contract that AEW gives up where you go, wait, he gave how much? He's taking how much? MJF's going to be the first guy to make that kind of money there. I think. For sure. But I mean, from there, obviously we have a contract signing, which Wardlow does try to sign with his handcuffs. Can't quite get, can't quite get to it. And then oh, he can't get the handcuffs. Like, oh, no, we, we, oh, yeah. Just wait, wait. Fine, so MJF, MJF gets a false sense of security and then has him take the handcuffs off and then everything goes yeah. fine. Right. Yep. 100%. Okay. So Wardlow signs the contract and everybody walks away amicably. And then we have a nice time. That was actually the end of the show. So. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Boom Goes the Dynamite. Nah, psych. Wardlow <laughs> beat the fuck out of everybody. Woo. Let's go. <laughs> so good. And again, like Wardlow has been kind of showing over the last couple of weeks that he's got these sort of, you know, throw chops and just being able to like divert crowd control. But this week around the right hands, he was laying in on some of those guys. My God, dude. He beat up. He beat the shit out of everybody. People got tossed. Mark Sterling caught a power bomb through a table. Real good times for, for everybody involved here. I love watching Wardlow. I mean, the AEW is real. This. It's the crowd loves watching Wardlow beat up multiple people at once, and they just give it to us every week. Thank you, TK. We're good with it. I mean, it works. Let's do it. When you're yeah, when you're making guys like Shingo Takagi pop for you on a weekly basis from like doing commentary on Dynamite on the New Japan World feed, I mean, it says something about what you've got. Come back from break, have a nice little reminder that Samoa Joe is having to do something with Jay Lethal for the next couple of weeks and everybody involved. It's something to keep them occupied. Uh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, who's been, it's been nice to see Sanjay Dutt back, back on TV. Good promo from Sanjay. Uh, Sanjay. Sanjay cutting a promo good. on Samoa and Punjab was really good. And, and I, also, I, like the most important thing, I, I think, in this whole thing, and a reminder that Satnam Singh is yeah. very, very big. Chris, he's very tall. Very Chris, big. he's really big. He's like, he is, but he's like he's really big. Largest, he's like the largest of large men who have appeared so far. He's the largest man company. who has appeared. Literally the largest the man largest who has man. appeared. The largest man to have appeared thus far if a larger man appears i'll be surprised that's because you'd have to be a really he's really big and to me like i think there's something insane that you can play with over the next uh couple of years and however long he signed in this case so just i'm I'm actually accordingly i'm i'm excited to see what he does i'm I'm big on satin i'm saying i think he especially that first rampage appearance i saw a pro athlete's charisma that's what yeah. I saw from him, right? Like I saw he has that sort of magnetism that like a big time athlete has, like he's good at playing to the crowd. I think he just has like this sort of, I want to know more about this guy sort of draw to him. And I, if I anything, get, to, that's, get to know him more. Uh, I think, I think the argument could be made that what they did on that rampage is what they should have done on the initial dynamo. hundred percent. Oh yeah. Easy. So absolutely. easily. What I hope, what I hope we get from Satnam Singh is, is I hope we humanize him. I want to see who he is as a person. I don't want him to just be this cartoon monster standing behind Jay Lethal. I really want to see, because I think there is like an interesting human being in there and I want to yeah. bring that up. I do think he'll come, I do think he'll come with time, but for now he has to be sort of this hero role for the duo accordingly as they're dealing with a monster in his own right in Samoa Joe. So we'll let that, carry itself as it goes over and the Samoa Joe's like a sort of you know that call cool calm collected anger works really well against Sanjay's sort of uh wild energy that he gets you know yeah Sanjay mm-hmm. sort of gets that manic kind of really get going fast and and you know Joe kind of does that measured sort of response and I think they just have a really great kind of uh, uh opposing chemistry for this feud yes yeah, it's, it's the measured Jay Lethal, but Sanjay and Satnam have been, have been a success to me yeah 100 percent Good to see Sanjay back. I want to see what Satman does. If Jay Leto decides to drop off the face of the earth tomorrow, he will not be missed by many people. That's all I have to say on that matter. But from here, we go to the uh, FTW Championship defense, in which it is going to be Ricky Stocks defending against Jungle Boy. He's in New York. We can say it like that. Uh, Yeah, this is the FTW title match. Ricky Starks is a star. Like I, there, there's no way around it at this point. Like you, you can't say it anymore. That my notes kind of tailed off as the head. show got later on. But one of the notes that I have for this match is Ricky is over, and I put a bunch of R's in it. So good. And yeah, Jungle no, Boy held this end of the arrived. bargain as well too. Like it's good to see Jungle Boy doing more single stuff. I do think he's a little more fit for that rather than tag work. But I get. Why we're they're in, doing the tag work? Stuff we're really in lockstep with? here, Chris. Uh, my next note on this match was it has been time for singles G- JB. 
Like mm-hmm. it's been time. We need to we do need, it. I lo- look, I like Luchasaurus just fine, but I think mm-hmm. it's time to send him to the tar pits, man. I, don't, I just, I think he's approaching fossil status uh, rapidly. I think the comet is coming to, to extinctify him. If you yeah. will. But in that regard, hey, fun match between the two. Close falls involved in all manners. Uh, starts working the back to get Spear basically set up, which almost pays off during the course of the match. And then, of course, we also get the storyline aspect of things being played out with Swerve Strickland deciding to show up there thinking that, hey, he's going to prevent fuckery from happening during the course of this match. And he sort of contributes to the fuckery that leads to a Rosh and Bow and a title defense for Ricky Starks. This, this was one. really good. I thought, uh, you know, these like sort of interference things are never like my favorite. Yeah. But Swerve played they handled it better than most. really well. They handled but, it better than most of this. It one. comes down to Swerve just being really, really good. This is good. a man yes. who absolutely gets it. He has um, a mind for wrestling that I think is going to pay off for AEW as a whole, not just for Swerve, but I think all the people around him and all the people he gets to touch and work with throughout his time there, I think a lot of people are going to get better because of him. This dude is a very, very valuable asset. Yeah. And of course, the interesting part at the end there, the little three-way standoff between three different teams that are heavily involved. Obviously, you have the tag champions, but you have two teams that are within the top rankings of AEW's tag team division currently. So this okay, looks like a here. three-way tag team title match double or nothing, right? That's what I'm kind of setting up. And of three-way course, tag tornado double or nothing situation? Kind of situation, yeah. But of course, I've got to give credit to the Christian in this segment because of the way he kind of approached Jungle Boy at the end of the match. He's obviously frustrated about losing the opportunity of being FTW champion and such since he was the one who suggested the match to begin with last week. And Christian kind of serving the good old mentor role of, you know, hey, bring it in kid like you did good stuff just happened it wasn't your night or whatever and it's kind of setting up christian brilliantly for when this thing falls apart and it's gonna fall apart at some point or another I, i'm it's surprised it's still wonderful here it, to be honest yes but i do think that once you know it does kind of come falling down that there's gonna be some really good legwork here for some single stuff involving a certain jungle boy and a certain very charismatic man that's been in the wings for a little while at this point. Just, I mean, all that is true. Although I would never give credit to Christians. Hail Satan. Fair, fair. Absolutely. But from there, FTW championship, obviously the confrontations between all teams involved. We go to break. Then we come back from break with nice little Tony Khan promo about AAPI representation, which was really cool. To They've see. been running that you spot know, the uh, throughout the month here. And yeah, no, it's, it's nice. Good stuff all around. And of course, we go into the Jericho Appreciation Society entrance, which again, it's been nine weeks in which they are the uh, staple of excellence. The nine weeks standard of excellence in sports, sports entertainment. Entertainment. Yeah, Matt Menard's great. Matt Menard has been just, uh, I mean, he really is daddy magic. He's been magic for this whole thing. He's he's incredible. Uh, shout out to Matt our Menard. friends at Wrestling Brain for like being um, really early to the uh, the Matt Lee, Matt Menard train, but guy fucking rocks. He's awesome. Matt, Men- Matt Menard being horny on the main at the beginning of that segment too. Asking oh, yeah. us, you want to know what gets my hard? nipples hard? Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody. Commentary go, no. Nobody wants to know that. I kind of wanted to know. I'm glad he told us. Anyway, the only other note I had for this was uh, Suscended Successical. Oh my goodness. Chris Jericho oh, Chris Jericho what wanted to tell fun. John Moxley to take another extended sabbatical and it came out as Suscended Successical. It, it, it was the inner Canadian in him that came out. It can be forgiven yeah. this one time, Something I guess. Like I don't that. know. You know, I mean, it but, was good. The other thing that stands out to me is I'm really glad still that Daniel Garcia is involved in this because you can already see it starting to round Daniel Garcia's game out in a way. This is an element he didn't necessarily have or just didn't necessarily show us. Prior yeah, he didn't this, get a, didn't quite get the chance to show some of those chops off. And I think I know from talking with a couple of different people who have perspectives of it in which either they like it or they just think he's still too stiff on the microphone, but it's like, he's got to need the reps. I think he's really good. more natural this, at it. I thought I do this think one that was really, yeah, he, he looked really comfortable uh, uh, here and, you know, do getting into this. He knows that people don't expect him to be there and it, it, it makes them mad and it's grading on them. So he's kind of leaning into, I'll just be grading. I'll just be a little shit about it. And yeah. uh, I think it's really working. I think ultimately the Jericho Appreciation Society appears geared to do exactly what factions like this are supposed 
supposed to do. And it's raise the profiles of each individual coming out, out. of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, this is uh, uh, the kind of faction that's poised to do exactly that with everybody involved, except for Jake Hager because fuck Jake Hager. Yeah. 100%. Like, fuck that guy. Just like again, another guy. <laughs> I just wanted another an opportunity guy. to say fuck Jake Hager on the podcast. Oh, no. Any chance I get, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. No, I think all three of us are on the boat of Jake Hager could fall on call. Basically just fall into a ditch. Disappear yep. accordingly. Nobody would he could uh, suffocate in uh, a shrinking, a rapidly shrink. Uh, what if you have Danhausen curse a Fred Perry polo to like shrink onto his body and just keep shrinking until it crushes all of his torso bones? Gruesome, but you know what? He probably deserves worse. Right? So, yeah, I think that's a good curse. Indeed. Uh, but from there, of course, you mentioned already John Moxley does come out. Jericho tries to tell him to go back into a sabbatical, pointing out the same as again. Indeed, right. indeed. And then you Jericho get worked really hard on that one. The rest of the Blackpool Combat Club coming in. An obvious kind of confrontation that I think since the beginning of these two factions, you kind of figure they're going to have to clash at some point or another, given the completely different approaches that they take yes. to this whole thing known as professional wrestling. But then, of course, they're like, oh, there's still creative compared to five of us. In comes Proud and Powerful and Eddie Kingston, who's shout out to whoever did that makeup accordingly, because it looked it looked gnarly enough on Eddie. Like, you I like the fact that they're selling have, the fireball. Uh, just AEW great. specialing in wrestlers getting mangled eyes. So uh, kind of a good thing shit. Like to do there. Good shit all We around. love to mangle and, one eye of a wrestler. Very important. And, and, and finally, after so many weeks of just sort of the same kind of boarding of like, oh, hey, JAS has the numbers game yet again. Finally, the table's getting turned around on them for once. Um, Regal with like a great looking left on Jericho on the outside. During William this Regal. Wonderful. Always has thrown one of the best working punches in the history of professional wrestling. Fantastic. Just like absolutely. Like one, like if you want to see work what a art. perfect working punch looks like, you just watch Regal. literally any of his matches ever. <laughs> Just so consistent. Unbelievable. So yeah. very, very good. Uh, but yeah, Jericho Appreciation Society gets ran up to the hills. The baby faces stand tall on this one, which was something that you kind of needed with these Jericho Appreciation uh, Society segments. And we've got it this week. Great stuff all around. From here, we go to a video package for a match that is has been set in stone for Double or Nothing, which is going to be Serena D versus Thunder Rosa. Great hype for what is to come at this point, obviously. Making Deeb appear as, you know, possibly Rosa's Fusers challenge to date, but Thunder Rosa being on another level, which, hey. I'm going to expand upon that. I know we got a couple more weeks to to see where this thing shakes out. I'm starting to think Deeb might win this one. I'm starting to think Rosa might get hit with might get hit with a transitional champion run, which if you want to get her over as like a huge baby face, her second title run in a year will be massive if she loses this to Deeb you know, within a couple of months, there's a lot you can do coming out of that. And I think Deeb would make a really strong heel champion at the top of this division right now. There are just a lot of people that could chase her right now, you know? Yeah. And I do, I do agree with that, especially when thinking about sort of the dynamics of the women's division right now, because with Thunder Rosa, obviously you can have challengers here and there, but you've got Nyla, you've got Deeb, and then you have Jade, but but they, Jade is doing her own thing as the TBS champion, but outside and here's that, the thing once, of, and, and once Jade those, touches you, that's it. It's like you, once you put Put Jay yeah. there, she's running with it. Like no one's Pretty stopping much. Jay. So you got to hold that back for a while. And also, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know if Jade beats a babyface. I think Jade wins the championship against a heel. I think she sort of wins yeah. the big belt as a babyface. I think it's like a natural transition where it's just like because I think the crowd will so want good. to explode yeah. for her when she wins the main title. Yeah, I really do. Like the crowd's gonna want to go nuts for her no matter what. Yeah, though, I, I the match is gonna be good. I think Deeb's gonna give Rosa her best championship match. I think it'll be her best match. Yeah, no, I'm excited for it. Let's see where it goes. Speaking of bringing it on, can we respectfully talk about the next match, please? Of course, <laughs> very respectfully, extremely respectfully. I'm gonna show some respect. Res- Respectfully staring at this match. Uh, no, this match get, was respectfully the best match of the night. So yeah, no, it ruled. Uh, it really no. Yeah, jokes aside, best match of the fun. night. Like kind of by a lot for me. Like it wasn't close. Yeah. This match was awesome. <laughs> I loved Owen it. Hart, yeah, Owen Hart Foundation tournament uh, quarterfinals. Jamie Hader versus Tony Storm. This has been built for weeks. It's a match that they both wanted against each other, and by God, it delivered. It was such a beautiful blend of like hard-hitting groundwork, quick snap athleticism, and old-school storytelling. Like it really had just all these different elements. It was such a diverse match. It's it was everything you wanted from TV wrestling. Yeah, and of course, and Jamie Hader is 
low key one of the best sellers in this entire college. Awesome. The way she, she really takes is. and Tony Storm is, like is so smooth. In the like, world. yeah, Tony's just her transition game is incredible. Yeah, the roll the roll through finish the roll through into the uh close pinfalls, the backslide into the roll through for Storm Zero was just chef's kiss kind of a finishing yeah. sequence. She's game. really I'm great almost- at making a pile driver look super effective without getting high off the ground, and which is yeah. kind of a lost art. Like, I think people want to get up and do these like big jumpy sort of things, like those fall away pile drivers. Like, that's kind of the classic pile driver, and like, there's a way to make that look really impactful. And no, Tony definitely leans into that really, really well at this point. I haven't uh, got to I'm see her stopped. wrestle much because of her time, like, away from a like you know, wrestling that I was actually wrestling watching. As a whole. Yeah, of course. She's no, so she's been good. good. She's so good. And it's just, it's great too, because obviously these two did their time in stardom as well. And they definitely showed in some of the sequences in this match were just fun stuff all around. I'm almost mad that this isn't like a bigger match, like a semifinal or the actual finals of this whole thing. It's point. fine because it's not the last time we're going to see it. True. Right? Like this yeah, is it's, like a, it's not like these girls are going to wrestle caveat. each other for a belt at some point. It's a preview of things that we will see many months down the yeah, line. In like imagine eight, we 18 months, two years from now when they're wrestling each other for the title. Ooh, yeah. Fun, fun shit around. Can't wait. But yeah, Tony Storm does win by pinfall with the Storm Zero. So we're not going to see Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter. How do you think that we're affects not. Jamie and Britt? Do you think that Britt is going to have anything to say about that? Do you think she'll be disappointed? Do you think this leads to anything with them storyline-wise? I think it can if you okay. want to play or that do you think story, do you think we're probably just putting a pin in it and that's why this happens this way or I think it might be a hint of certain things that could play out many months from now I don't think they pulled the trigger on something like this immediately okay. so it we think that the, maybe... the Brit Jamie thing is that those three are staying together for a while longer yeah I think another six to eight months on that and just let it naturally play its force out because I do okay. think that there is a story to tell here especially if you're not going to have Brit chase a title at any uh, point soon. Right. I think this is something that they can bite their teeth into. From there, we go to a couple more promos. We have Scorpio Sky talking about his big TNT title defense that he's got coming up at Rampage against his best friend, Frankie Kazarian. SCU clashes for the first time in singles bouts. Yeah, I'm not talking about Frankie Kazarian. He blocked me. He's a coward. So sorry, Kaz. Don't care about your matches. <laughs> I will, co- I will no, cover that accordingly real quick. Uh, live interview <laughs> with Kazarian immediately after the Scorpio Sky package there. Uh, Sammy Guevara shows up, you know, basically says, dude's going to stab you in the back. No, stuff's gonna happen. Uh, I mean, he's right. Like, cool, because there's like cool, whatever. Your vlog sucks. Go away. I guess. And yeah, that, that's what it. So they did all that. Um, yeah, whatever. We talked about Sammy and Ty already a little bit. I'm good. And of course, from here, Scalibur <laughs> builds up a bunch of matches that are coming up on different cards, including some bangers that are coming up on Dynamite. We've got the Joker's matches in the uh, Owen Hart tournament coming up next week. Around, we've got a big match that was announced for next week that I am already very excited about with Hangman Adam Page against DDT's Konosuke Takeshita. Very, is, yes. From what I've seen of Takeshita, the very limited uh, uh, exposure I've had to him, he's fantastic, and he looks great, and I want to see him wrestle more. Oh, no, yeah. I can't wait either. Guy looks his like a star, US, man. It, his U.S. excursion has been already delivering on some stuff. There's going to be more matches of it that are going to be really good, and the thing that I like is that Konosuke Takeshita is still in his mid-20s, and that's a guy that yeah. DDT already considers to be like their ace, so the fact that they're a They've got, he looks like, like an ace, man. He looks like exactly. a fucking ace. Oh, no. And here's the thing. Like, looking back to a couple of years ago, he wasn't, like, this built, like, even, like, a year ago at this point. Like, he's bulked up incredibly over this last year. And, like, he's going to be big guy. Off. Like, the, no, the presence is already, like, paying off for him with that. So, super excited to see him and Hangman run what I think is going to be a very good match between them uh, next week around. And exciting stuff. But speaking of exciting stuff, this main event, Owen Hart Foundation Tournament, quarterfinal match. Anything goes. The rules have been waived off officially for this one. And boy, what a time to do it because it is uh, Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen. And uh, we start off real quick out of this one with uh, Darby diving right out of the gates onto Hardy, taking him to the outside, doing the thing, getting a bunch of chairs out, setting them up and just it's a, it's a car crash derby of a match throughout. And yeah, we had about what, 11, 12 minutes or so. And yeah, they definitely used all of it to metal. just throw each other around onto stuff and into things. There was that big sidewalk slam type deal onto the uh, the stairs. Yes. That, that it happens to the stairs. That one is. Probably the craziest ladder spot that AEW has done by far and not saying something. The crew. 
I'd say arguably. Matt Hardy getting his whole shit wrecked in the stadium one was probably way worse. No, that one was worse. I mean, that was the Sammy worse and Matt Hardy one. Just, the la- the, just because the landing itself. And just this one, I mean, yeah, having the, the, the positioning of the ladder was certainly mm-hmm. bananas. So the ladder being set up on the ring apron precariously. Ooh. I don't know how you even. Yeah, Mar- the margin for it. error on that one was like yeah, massive swanton and onto eight chairs. The yeah, match Darby, is it's a hardy. It's hard, hard hitting for hardy for catching it too because like oh, that yeah. could have gone incredibly bad if you just mistimed it by like an inch type of thing. It so. was nuts. But ultimately, Jeff Hardy pulls off a massive upset. I think a lot of people expected uh, Darby to win this match. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought, you know, there's a there's a path to victory for Jeff Hardy, but I didn't necessarily expect it. Was really happy to see it. I think this was the right result. The hilarious part for me is that he took the uh, same finish that got him pinned in a WWE title match like a decade plus ago and applied it on this one, which was yeah, fantastic. Uh, it was just like a nice little callback for those who were And see, yeah, we talked about like, like things being overly derivative at the beginning of the show. Little things like this when you do it, when it's not the focus of the match, but it's something that's in there as an Easter egg, I appreciate a lot more. Yeah. When you bring them to the forefront, and they become the feature of the match and not like sort of the background thing. That's when it become it, it kind of weighs on me a little bit, I guess. From this point on, we get a nice little celebration. The baby faces do their handshake, full respect all around, a couple of the lead chants. Undisputed Elite does show up on the top of the ramp there. Uh, Adam Cole and Jeff Hardy eyeing each other at this point because they've got next on the semifinals of this tournament against each other. We know that is officially going to happen. And hey, roll credits. That's the show, folks. That's the show, folks. What an episode. This was a hot one. Mm. A lot of action. Start to finish. Uh, yeah, the crowd had a lot to do with it. I think people expected that. Long Island consistently one of their loudest and, and, and best crowds delivered again. This was just a hot show. We are on first. Firmly on the road to double or nothing. We're a couple of weeks away. And if we can keep up this kind of momentum, it's going to be a real strong pay-per-view. And I'm really excited, Chris. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about the show? No, I think from start to finish, it's probably one of the better dynamites that they've done in recent memory. And they've got a lot of good ones on top of they, it. They've been do think, hot. There's been a couple of middling sort of yeah, things. And a couple of I think like last, Yeah. And last week's with the crowd in Baltimore not being up to snuff kind of didn't help matters, unfortunately. So it was nice to see a bounce back with Long Island really showing up for this one. Good shit all around. 100%. So that's going to be our show, Chris. What do you got to plug? Yeah, well, let's plug accordingly. So for me, uh, Twitter mostly, at Brazilian Fury with the S instead of a Z on the spelling of Brazilian. You can also find my other podcast, Soundtracks on the Sticks on Twitter, Sounds on Sticks. We've been on hiatus for a little while, but Jordan and I are just trying to figure out scheduling and stuff to try and do a couple of episodes because we've been a couple months overdue on that. We'll get to it when we get to it. Life happens. So we got to go. figure that out accordingly. And how right. about you, Paul? Go ahead and plug yourself. Follow me on Twitter at Cool Step Uncle. Follow this podcast at BGTD Podcast on Twitter. We now have a Twitch page. Uh, it is twitch.tv slash BGTD Podcast. So follow that. Chris and I were talking about things we might be able to do in the future on that channel. We might have some fun there. So check that out. We're on YouTube now, youtube.com slash BGTD podcast. We're going to post clips and maybe even full episodes up there for your listening pleasure as well. So make sure you're following us there. And uh, I'm not doing wrestling brain anymore. So don't still follow them. They're awesome, but I don't have a show there. (laughs) Yep. There you go. So uh, with that said, again, Paul, thanks for joining me on this. Thanks to Jeff, of course, who's taking his sabbatical over the next couple of weeks. We'll and since we, we, we haven't fully initiated you, Jeff usually likes to ask me if I have any last words. So I'm going to ask you, Chris, any last words? I think for now, uh, the road to double or nothing and the road to forbidden door, it's on. So uh, exciting times ahead. Exciting times ahead. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you next week. See ya.